0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I you come with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Today we are continuing to look into Paul's wonderful letter to the Ephesian believers Uh, the poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge called this book in his poetic manner he called it the divinest composition of man William Barclay called it the queen of the epistles and John Mackay said it was the greatest, maturest and for our time the most relevant of all Paul's writings Ruth Paxton called Ephesians the Grand Canyon of Scripture. I think it was C. H. Spurgeon who called it the North Star of Scripture. And so high praise indeed, undeservedly so. It is a wonderful, wonderful letter. So let me remind you uh, that Paul wrote this letter during his first imprisonment in Rome about 62 A.D. Now, prior to this he had spent about two years in Ephesus establishing the church there. Ephesus, as I said last week, was a magnificent, proconsular uh, Roman city in Asia Minor, uh, situated where Turkey is today, and uh, historians tell us it had a population of at least a quarter of a million people. So in that day it was some city, plus all the thousands of tourists and traders. And devotees uh, of the Diana religion, Uh, they would be coming there in their thousands every day because it was a great port city. In fact, the worship of Diana, that was the epicenter of it all. And they had a great temple there and a great statue and they had uh, over a hundred temple prostitutes continually there. So it shows you uh, what was going on in that city. Uh, plus, of course, we said last week it was the Mecca uh, for the black arts, for uh, for magic and so forth. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people were involved in all of that. And so the last time we got as far as back is verse 14. And today I want to go further on in chapter 1. Uh, But first of all, I must back up again and look at verse 9 and 10 because I want to elaborate a bit more and consolidate something that we talked about Christ uh, last Sunday morning. So verse 9 and 10. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So let's just focus uh, on those two verses uh, just for a little bit this morning. (coughs) Mystery here is mysterion. And it basically refers to something that was once hidden in the heart of God, but now has been revealed. So it's not something that we don't know now. It was something that nobody had known. But now it has been revealed. And so from before the very foundation of the world, God had a plan. And he kept that plan hidden in his heart until he was ready to reveal it. And all it was hinted at in the Old Testament, and all prophets prophesied about it, yet they didn't know in detail, and they didn't really know fully what they were prophesying about. So, what was this mystery that God had hidden from eternity past? What was this great mystery that God had wrapped up, hidden from sight over eons of time? What exactly was it that the prophets and the priests and the people were not really privy to, but we are? Well, the clue is in that word, dispensation. Dispensation here is oikonomia, oikonomia. And oikon is house, and oikonomos is the steward of the house, the one who manages the household. And gathered together simply means head up, head up. So the mystery The secret that God had hidden in his heart from eternity past, from before the foundation of the world, was that he was going to make his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the head of all things. That he was going to head up everything in heaven and in earth. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might head up, he might gather together all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also... He made the world. Amen. In Hebrews 3, 5, and 6, And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which should be spoken afterwards. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast, the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Hallelujah. So the mystery... It's no longer a mystery. Paul was the one who revealed the mystery that Christ, God's Son, is going to uphold and head up everything, both in heaven and oh, no, in earth, including us, the church, of course. Yeah. So everything you read about in the Old Testament was to culminate in Christ. Christ. The very earth he fashioned for mankind was to be for his praise and his glory. He was the creator of it, Hebrews tells us. And so God put man on this earth for the praise and the glory of his son. That's what we're here for, to praise and to glorify his son through our life, to reflect him, to show him, to be the showcase to the world of who Christ truly is. And so, God had a plan. Nothing was accidental or incidental. Uh, everything had a purpose. Now, there are those today to say, tell us that life has no meaning, that it has no purpose. <coughs> that we're just here in this little spack of dust in the universe, and we just live a little, and then we die, and that's the end of us. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible says that God had a plan, and he had a plan for us Before the foundation of the world, before we're ever even born, God had a plan for each of us. Mm -hmm. And so, over millennia, God was unfolding his plan slowly, carefully, precisely, in detail, and yet man couldn't fathom it, couldn't fully grasp it, and God waited and waited and waited until the right time. And even though Satan would try and circumvent this plan, he would never, ever succeed. And even though man would fall into sin through Satan's temptation in the Garden of Eden, yet the promise of the one that would come that would bruise his head, nobody knew when or how that was going to happen. It was a mystery that was yet to be revealed, but that was part of God's master plan. And even though the world was to be judged by a flood, and even though there would be only eight people left, yet God's plan would succeed. Nothing would stop the mystery of God from being fulfilled. And so over thousands of years, uh, God would raise up a man, Abraham, and through that man, a son, Isaac, and through Isaac, a nation, Israel, And through Israel, a king, David. And through David would come a family, Mary and Joseph. And through Mary would come God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That took thousands of years to happen. But God was surely and carefully and slowly making all that come to pass. A whole Roman Empire was moved to make this mystery come to pass. God put it in the heart of Caesar Augustus the mightiest man on earth to cause a census to take place so that Mary and Joseph would have to travel almost a hundred miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem all to fulfill the scripture in Micah 5 and 2 to the very town where he was to be born in Bethlehem. God will move heaven and earth to fulfill his mysteries and his plans for humanity. And he did it there. God, throughout history, has raised up nations and empires. And he has cast down nations and empires. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, king of the Chaldeans, he had a very powerful dream that really troubled him. The problem was when he woke up in the morning, he could remember it. And now he was even more troubled. And when Nebuchadnezzar got troubled, everybody got troubled. And so he called all of his wise men and his astrologers and all his prognosticators and all of his seers and All of them, including Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would be in that category as wise men. And he called them, and he said, I had a dream, and I want you to give me the interpretation of the dream. And he says, King, what is the dream? he says, I don't know. I've forgotten it. But I want you to tell me what the dream was, and then give me the interpretation. And then he says, O king... No one has ever asked that. It's impossible, are we God, that we can tell you that? And he says, you're stalling for time. If you don't tell me what the dream was and the interpretation, he says, I'll cut you in pieces and I'll make your houses an ash heap. I'll burn you to the ground. And they couldn't do it. And he started to kill his wise men and his astrologers. And Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they were on the list. And so Daniel went to the king and says, look, just give me a little bit of time. And I'll get you your dream and your interpretation. The God that I serve, he'll give it to you. And so Daniel and the three Hebrew boys got together and they prayed, and then God began to reveal the dream and the interpretation. And so he went to the king, and he said, King, if I can paraphrase, my God has shown me what your dream was and the interpretation. You see, even though Nebuchadnezzar didn't know why he was doing this, but actually this was evidence and proof that the dream would be right. Because if he had just says, I had a dream last night, boys, this is what the dream is. Now you go away, figure out interpretation, come back, they could have told him anything. Especially to see if they're an accident, they told him anything. But to be able to tell them what the dream was and the interpretation, well, nobody could do that except God. And that's what Daniel was saying. So he said, Here's what your dream was. God has shown me. You dreamt you saw this great statue. And its head was gold. And its chest and its arms was silver. And its belly and its thighs was bronze. And its two legs were iron. And its feet and its ten toes were iron mixed with clay. Strange dream. Now I said, here's the interpretation. by the way, I should have said, another thing you saw was... When you saw that, then you saw a stone that was cut out without hands, and it came and it smashed into the feet of that great statue, and it crumbled and fell in a million pieces, and the wind just blew it away. Now I said, here's the interpretation. That head of gold is you, O King. That's your kingdom. And God has given you a great kingdom. And at that time, it was the greatest kingdom on earth. But one will come after you, another kingdom which will be inferior to yours. It will be silver. The chest and the two arms. And that was the Medo-Persian Empire. And after that will come a third kingdom. The belly and the thighs of bronze. And that would be... Now, he's not telling who this is being. He just is another kingdom. But in reality, history tells us this was going to be the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. Then he says, another kingdom will come which will have these two legs of iron. Now history tells us that was the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire had an eastern and western division in the end. And then another kingdom would come and it would be in the feet and the toes that would be iron mixed with clay. And iron and clay doesn't mix very well. And if you read in Daniel 2 at the end of it where he tells them about that, he says one is weak and one is strong. Now that could be talking about a totalitarian government and a democracy together. It could be talking about a, 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 a nation that was weak and strong at the same time, had weaknesses and strengths. Actually, historically, it hasn't happened yet because that's the Antichrist kingdom that is to come that is being formed even as we speak today, but is yet in the future. Then this stone that was cut out without hands that smashed into the feet and everything came crashing down and that stone grew into a great mountain that filled the whole earth. And Daniel says, that's the kingdom of God. And it will fill the whole earth. And all other kingdoms before it will crash and fall and burn and be gone. But only God's kingdom that will fill the whole earth will last. All of this to fulfill the mystery of God. That has been revealed through the Apostle Paul by the way Israel is another mystery of God it's part of the bigger mystery in Romans 11:25, 25 Paul says that we should not be ignorant of the mystery of Israel God still has a plan for his people Israel it has not replaced the church, as some teach. Replacement theology is around the world today. God still has a plan for Israel. And one day, all Israel shall be saved, the Bible says. And already as we speak, God is causing them to come back, the Jews to come back from all over the world to the land of Israel. Hallelujah! Ready to be revealed in the last days. And one day Israel will be surrounded by her enemies who will want to come to destroy her, to annihilate her. And already they're threatening continually the annihilation of Israel. And one day the nations of the world will be turning against them. They're turning against her now, turning against Israel, and they'll come. But the Lord Jesus Christ will come, and he will destroy them with the sword of his mouth, the Bible says. Hallelujah. And then they'll recognize the one whom they have pierced. And they will embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, when all that happens, then Christ will head up all things. He will head up the church. He will head up Israel. He will head up the creation. He will head up everything in heaven, everything on earth. He will head up all things. No wonder the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything in the Old Testament was predestined for Christ that was to come to head everything up. Everything in the New Testament is predestined for Christ's second coming. And that's on the cards. And God does that plan fully active right now. So everything in history is being swept along to fulfill God's own plan, to fulfill that mystery that was hidden from the ages, to fulfill his son's oikonomos, to fulfill his son's rulership on this earth. And he will govern his church and his kingdom, and Israel, and this world, and heaven, and earth, and everything. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Savior whom we serve. That's our head who is in heaven today. Amen? So this is the mystery that God revealed to Paul. I want you to come now back to chapter 1. So having, Paul having shared all of that, and there's much more than that, you could stay for months in those first 14 verses, but now in verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Paul has been separated from them for a few years and word has been filtering back to him and he's delighted he's pleased he's pleased in their faith in the Lord Jesus and he's pleased in their love that they have not only for him but for one another isn't it interesting though For a continue that just three decades later this same church that Paul is so pleased with, that loved the Lord, that loved each other. But that's the very thing Christ rebukes them for, their lack of it in Revelation, as one of the seven churches. I have something against you, he said, because you left your first love. But at least at this point in time, <coughs> They're such a great church. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then this is his first prayer for the Ephesians. Let's record it. His second prayer for them is in chapter 3, which is also a great prayer. There's four prison epistle prayers. Two in Ephesians, one in Philippians, one in Colossians. And you should make it your business to read them. Often we say to somebody, I'm praying for you. But we never say what we're praying. Paul said to these people, I'm praying for you. Now here's what I'm praying for you. This this is what I'm praying for you, Paul says. And I'm glad he told them because this is really... His prayer for all the saints, including us today. So here's what his prayer is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's just stop there and unpack that just a little bit. That the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now we know that the Holy Spirit can grant wisdom to us through his word. But notice here that the word spirit here is lowercase. They already had the Holy Spirit. So is that talking about their human spirit? Well, everybody's got a human spirit. I think it's talking more about the attitude, the, disp- the disposition of wisdom. You know, sometimes we talk about somebody having a, a spirit of generosity. Mm. And so, a spirit of wisdom, that we should be wise people. It should be our disposition as believers to be wise, have a wise attitude. Of course, the only way we're going to get that is through understanding God's word because that's where the wisdom of God comes from, through his word. But to have that understanding, to have that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You and I are in a unique position today because before you became a believer, you didn't have the revelation of the knowledge of him. You read about him, you knew about him, maybe even talked about him, people told you about him, but you hadn't actually grasped it. You hadn't got that revelation that you have today. Isn't that the case? And we need that revelation of the knowledge of him. And it's not just Paul's not just praying that you may know about him. Many of us knew about him before we actually knew him. Let me say this. 30 years after the apostle Paul was saved, 30 years after he had the greatest revelation of God that has ever been, he still prayed, oh, that I might know him. So it's more than just head knowledge. I mean, you could be a theologian. You could study the Bible to your blue in the face and have vast amounts of knowledge but still not know him. I, I could take a, if I had the brains, I could take a degree or a PhD in, in, in doing a, a thesis on some great author, Dickens, for instance, and I could read up everything that there's ever been written about Charles Dickens, and I could go on the internet, and I could, do, I could spend a whole year, two, three years doing that and get a degree on it. But I still don't know Charles Dickens. I just know all about him, but I don't know him. So, Paul's praying here for more than just knowing, even knowing what he's already told them, that they get a grasp of that. But beyond that, he says, I want you with that knowledge then to really get to know him. And to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, actually, in the resonance, the eyes of your heart but the eyes of your heart being enlightened. See, this is something that God does for us. He enlightens our heart. He opens our spiritual eyes to see things that we never saw before, that we couldn't see. Paul says, those outside Christ, he says they don't understand spiritual things. How they? Because they're of the Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not going to understand the things of the Spirit of God. The understanding being lightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Ah. You know, there's hardly two commentators agree on what exactly that means. (laughs) The hope of his calling. What a calling we have in him. Or does it mean the calling that the Father has given him, that he has fulfilled? And what was his great hope? What was his great hope, John 17? That we might be one in him as he is in the Father, that we may see him in the glory that he had, with the Father before the Word began. That's his heart. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. And he wants to gather all of us to be with him forever and to see him in his glory that we have never ever seen before. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Hmm of his inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance in him. He's already explained that in the first 14 verses. (coughs) But he has an inheritance in us. We are his inheritance. I don't understand that. I don't know why that should be. I don't know why God cares for any of us that much. That he has given to his son us for his inheritance. In Psalm 2, which is a very prophetic messianic psalm, God says regarding his son, I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. <laughs> that, that's us, by the way. <laughs> we were all heathen. We were outside Christ. But we are part of His great inheritance. In Malachi chapter three seventeen, it talks about God tells us, "But that day when I make up my jewels, we are His jewels. We are precious to Him. We are His riches." Again, we don't understand that. That's just the grace of God. us, the dust of the earth, clay vessels, with all of our faults, with all of our feelings, yet, in God's sight, because we're in His Son, we are His jewels. We're precious for Him, we're His inheritance. Oh, it's just a bit beyond understanding, isn't it? What a revelation Paul got of who we are in Christ. Nobody ever had this revelation. None of those disciples that walked with Jesus had this revelation. Paul spent three years in the Arabian Desert after he got saved, being with Christ, being taught of the Lord. This is what came out of it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believed? All of God's power is directed towards us. Yes, his power that created the heavens, that created the universe, that created the earth, all of it is directed towards us. They're searching for planets in this universe. <coughs> to mirror what life is on earth. But they're not going to find it. God made this for us. All of his power produced this for us. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The greatest... The greatest moment of God's power that was released in history was the resurrection of his son. To raise up his son from the dead was the greatest moment of his power that was released. And that same power that raised his son from the dead will raise you from the dead. That same power that raised his son from the dead raised you spiritually from being spiritually dead and will one day raise you physically from being physically dead. Thank you, Lord. According to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul mentions that term, the heavenly places, five times in this book. really until Paul came along, men were pretty much in the dark about heavenly places. But Paul wasn't, because the Lord revealed it to him. In fact, he says, one time I was caught up into the third heaven. So he knows what he's writing about raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Now, there are four levels of power that's mentioned, four different, entirely different words that are mentioned there. And I'm not going to go into them this morning because they're mentioned again (coughs) in Ephesians 6 when he talks about spiritual warfare. (coughs) So Paul is letting us know that there is a a hierarchy of power in the heavens. There's a hierarchy of angelic power. There's a hierarchy of demonic power in the heavens. That's what he's telling us here. And he gets into that deeper when you come to Ephesians 6 when he talks about us fighting A warfare that's not natural, but spiritual. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Every nation shall bow, every tongue shall confess, every name that is named. (coughs) Every name in the past, every name in the future, all of it will bow down to Jesus Christ, Lord, who's the King of kings, the Lord of all lords. <coughs> and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, here's an amazing thing. He's the head. Paul gives the the metaphor of a, a body. He's the head in heaven. We are his body on earth. The body can't function without the head. The body's not complete without the head. But the head is not fully complete without the body. And here's a mystery for you. That Christ, the Son of God, although complete in himself, yet, when it comes to speaking about the church, he's not complete without his church, which is his body. And the church is not yet complete. There's still more to come into the church and then when the church is complete, the body and the head will come together. Oh, and we'll be with him. <coughs> Have I knocked this thing off? No, sorry. Then we'll be with him. Yes, yeah. Complete in him. Thank you, Lord. Now do you begin to understand in John 17, his great prayer for the church, you understand what he's really getting at here. He desperately wants his body on earth to be completed. Till every last one comes in. When's that going to happen? I don't know. Only God knows. But I tell you what, it must be getting mighty close to that time. Why do you think he wants the gospel to go to the ends of the earth? Huh? Huh? That every man has heard the gospel at least once so that there's going to be that chance for everyone that's to come into the body of Christ will come in and it'll be complete. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. (coughs) Glory to God. What a mighty God we serve. Glory. Hallelujah. The whole sweep of history is to fulfill God's plan for his son, Jesus Christ. And God will move heaven and earth to make that happen. Thank you. And he's making it happen. And he has done in the past, he's doing it now, and he will do it in the future. You know, the thing of prophecy that so convinces me that it's right is because you can look back in the scripture, and to see all of those prophecies that has been fulfilled right to the very letter to the T. And if that's true and it is, then surely everyone in the future will be fulfilled to the T. And that gives you the confidence. God has got a good track record when it comes to fulfilling His word, hasn't it? And so, tonight, God willing, I want to continue a little bit more in this I started out saying I'm not going to go into this verse by verse and I probably won't either but the trouble is when you get started where do you finish? I mean it's so good Where, where, where do you stop here? What do you leave out? That's the problem tonight I want to talk about the immeasurable riches of God immeasurable beyond our imagination the riches of God that Paul talks about in this beautiful letter. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for your precious, inspired, infallible, inerrant word. We thank you that our lives can uh, stand upon it. We thank you it's a rock under our feet. We thank you that whatever you say, whatever you decree... Whatever you say will come to pass. Nothing, no man can stop it. And we give you thanks for it. So help us, Lord, to digest this, to begin to grasp it, to begin to know it in our hearts, and then let it change us in our hearts to give us a greater sense of who you are and what we are in Christ. Help us, Lord. Enlighten our hearts to see this and then to see you as we've never seen you before. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal, or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk.